It keeps getting earlier and earlier yeah. when they're releasing the pumpkin spice until eventually it's not they're even just cold be like, yet. fuck it. It's coming all year. Yeah. You get pumpkin spice all time. I thought pumpkin spice was only supposed to come out when the white girls start wearing Uggs, bro. Like, <laughs> and it's, too, it's too hot for Uggs right now. Yo, yo, what's up? Welcome back. We got Facts and the King here. I'm Bo Allen, a.k.a. the Butter King, joined by Nate Collins, also known as Dr. Facts. Yo, what's good? What's good, Bo? How you been, bro? I'm excellent. Then we are also joined by our young producer, young William Fauché. That's his velvety voice in the background. But Nate, I'm excellent. I want to introduce to you a new segment that uh, we've been kind of workshopping, calling it Torque Talk. Okay. And yeah, the origin behind this is, you know, once upon a time I was caught in an interview saying I was fully torqued about being drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're going to intro torque talk today. Basically, we just talk about something that we're fully torqued about. So I'll lead us off. I am fully torqued about my song of the summer. It's a fucking jam. I can't get enough of it. It's called Night Rider by Tom Mish. Yusuf Days featuring Freddie Gibbs is an absolute banger. Go check it okay. out. I'm fully torqued on it. And you should be too. It's a chill, perfect windows, sunset, windows down, cruising. I'm a night rider, baby. What are you torqued on, Facts? I am torqued on another season of softball for the green light is starting. And Hell yeah, brother. We, we had a doubleheader the other night and we split it one and one, but it felt good to get back out there. Haven't swung a bat since the last season. But got a few hits, had a nice triple with a couple of RBIs. So I am torqued for the rest of the season. And tonight we play again and we're on the small field. So I'm looking to hit like some homers. I want to start the season off fast this year. I think I had three or four home runs last year. So I want to, I mean, last season. So I want to have at least more than that. So I'm, I'm torqued. I'm torqued to be back out out on, on the field. I'm torqued for you. What about you, Fosh? What are you, to- what are you torqued on? I'm pretty torqued about the Commanders when, you know, preseason or not, they may have played their entire starting offense, but, you know, they're breaking records. They're making a splash early. It's a new era for Commanders football, and uh, the Ravens went down hard, 29-28, 50-yard field goal to end it. I mean, I loved it. I was torqued. No more Dan Snyder. I think we all can agree that we are torqued that football season is back. Both Hell college yeah. and NFL is about to ramp up, and I am torqued. I am torqued. Yes, sir. And along those lines, we got the Swamp Kings documentary that came out today. I've been excited to watch this, and we, I mean, it just came out at midnight last night. I was able to get through two episodes, and there's, I mean, these untold, um, you know, docuseries, it's been pretty fun to watch, man. Like, we watched the Johnny Manziel one, talked about it in the pod a little bit last week. And uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on Swamp Kings, Dr. Fax. What do, you, uh, what do you got for me initially? What are your initial reactions? I love it. And it's, it's weird. I, I like to watch these documentaries with my girl. And it just brings back so much memory. It's, not, it's, yeah. it, it's like it's sort of PTSD for some stuff. <laughs> and, and it's sort of like, damn, I really, really used to enjoy doing this stuff and even the stuff that I know for viewers probably seems harsh or hard I think certain for certain players when you really want to win like you indulge in all that shit and 
to watch how hard those guys are being pushed and really at the time were kids. So to see kids being pushed to, to levels that you maybe don't think you can ever get to. And like, and for the guys who did win rings and national championships with those teams, like in actually getting the, to see the fruition of all that, because every coach and every team in college, that's how you're coach. You're coach to win a national champion championship. Everything is for that. That's the light at the end of the tunnel and everyone doesn't get there. So to get pushed that hard and to not know if, Hey, if we're going to get there or not, and you actually get there and get to do it like that, like just watching that in this documentary, it, it, it's just, it's a crazy feeling because I, I've never been a part of a team that got to do that. So it, it's a feeling that it's like, dang, like you, you always think about and you talk about what your boys, this would be so awesome to do, but everyone doesn't get to do it. And this documentary is just, it's just special every episode. Yeah. And you, I mean, you say that these are kids, but dude, there's some fucking grown men on that <sighs> Gators team. Like think about Brandon Seiler. Like I've, like I said, I've only seen the two oh. first two episodes. He's a fucking dog. One of the things that he said in the second episode was like, they're doing this workout and one of the freshman running backs comes in late. So they have to start the workout over like a little punishment. Then like they're doing like an ab workout. And if you drop your legs, like they had to start oh. over the same kid fucked it oh. up. So I had to start over. He goes, if you do this again, I'm going to punch you in your face. And he did. He goes, so I punched him in the face. Like, that's a that's not a kid, dude. And it was fun to see how, like, you know, Tim Tebow, one of the most prolific, you know, probably the most prolific college athlete of all time, most recognizable, like, Tebow yes. time, man. Uh, Tebow. Just to hear him talk. And I thought it was really interesting. Like I said, we talked about the Manziel documentary last week and kind of his, Johnny, Johnny Football's approach to, you know, college sports versus, like, Tebow and I got to say, man, I played with Tim Tebow in the preseason in Philly in like 2015, and that motherfucker works his ass off. And you could tell, you know, a lot of these documentaries are kind of, you know, they paint, they paint guys in good lights and stuff like that. And, but you could tell like Tebow was about it. Like he's a meathead, man. You see him flexing and, you know, like taking the gym selfies. He's all painted up for those midnight workouts, you know, and I know, I mean, oh I know that's God. something you're familiar with, facts. Just like grinding in the weight room with your boys like that, how much fun that can be too, but also how hard it is. The craziest thing about those workouts is they didn't talk about this specifically, but shout out to Matt Bayless. He's one of the strength coach and he's very visible in a few scenes in this documentary. And he was hired by Virginia, like probably right after the 2008 season. And he was our strength coach at Virginia and watching those scenes when they're doing those mat drills and hearing Brandon Spikes and those guys talk about how physically like demanding doing some of that stuff is. And at that point for them, that's probably some of the hardest stuff they've done in their life. I was sitting there and I was just like, yo, I'm getting the, I was telling my girl, I'm getting the chills right now because I remember just doing these drills verbatim and just thinking like, yo, we're getting up at 5 a.m. And it's like, if you're not in the mindset, it's just something like you don't want to lose. Gonna get em, like, you're going to get embarrassed, dude. And you're going to get embarrassed in, in or physically hurt. Or yeah. physically hurt. It's like, it's and, either or. So you you have to give your best every single rep when you're doing those mat drills. And then, like, if it was set up like how we were, we had extreme, extreme consequences and then extreme extreme rewards so it was that much more that you fucking wanted to win right. like you wanted to win bad hey, and along those lines like they mentioned in the documentary one thing i thought was fascinating urban meyer 
had this thing called the Champions Club where, like, oh if you were one God. of his guys and you proved yourself, you, you were in the Champions Club. And so you ate at, you know, in your training table that you ate with, you know, you had, like, nice fancy silverware and you ate steak and you got, like, served by a waiter. And if you weren't in the Champions Club, like, you got to eat, like, hot dogs. But I was like, dang, what if I was in a winner's club and I just like hamburgers and hot dogs? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm then a you loser. Just, I'm you a have loser the waiter. The waiter runs you over a hot dog on a fa- like a fancy hot dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> but bro, when I when I heard that, when I heard that, you know how badly that would piss me off. But just thinking about it, it's the small things like that. Yeah. As a coach, that <laughs> that is a little extreme because it has to do with like your food intake. So I think that's just a little like over the line. But just the thought of that sitting in the same lunchroom and watching guys have kind of like a five-star dining experience when you have like a one-star dining experience, I that that probably would push me that much harder like in workouts so that I would be on the other side. Very yeah, interesting me- method method to go about it. I've never heard of that, but that's that's crazy. Hey, Dr. Fax, food and shame are big big motivators. Imagine like it's like not being able to sit oh. at the cool kids table at lunch, you know? There was a lot of shit that reminded, like that reminded me of Wisconsin too, cause we had victory meals. So like when we would win on Saturday, we'd have training table on Sunday, it'd be like victory meals. Like we get like crab legs and like steak and like all these nice drinks and like, you know, really nice sides and whatnot. And if we lost, it would just be like, you know, taco bowls. I just remembered, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if it was with Bayless or not. Maybe it was, but there was guys who were overweight. There actually was like a clumps. I, th- I think we called it the clumps table. And there was guys on the team that they can only eat certain things if they were at this table and they had to sit there and kind of be monitored by like weight room staff to eat the right thing. So were you in the clumps table ever? No, I actually like I sent the I sent the picture to a group chat. I'm not going to lie. Those mat drills were hard. But yeah. when Bayless came, I've never, ever been and the shape like from that whole off season that I got with with Bayless, I had like I was ripped. I was two ninety. I I was about thirteen percent body fat. Like I was absolutely ripped, yo. <laughs> Dude, that's the same thing at Wisconsin. Like you know we were beatheads at Wisconsin. We were doing that same shit. You know we had we were doing all the you know the. You start the off-season program. You do like the before and after photos. You know what I mean? Like your yes. physique before, oh your my physique goodness. after. But like, dude, those. I mean, a couple other things from the documentary I want to hit on before we move on. Like, dude, one thing I thought was crazy. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but like peeking behind, you know, the psyche of Urban Meyer, especially after his failed stint in the NFL, that was like very publicized in Jacksonville. I think there was one that stood out to me where like they had a tough loss and they're flying home in the plane, and a couple guys were laughing. Right. And so he sends all the coaches off there on the tarmac. Someone said, you know, they had come to Jesus moment on the plane. And then he ended up dismissing those two players from the team. I thought that was interesting. And then another one, like you mentioned that how you just have flashbacks, like your time as a college athlete. He said, like, you know, the team was super undisciplined when they first came in and they had like punishment for him. So they made him like come in super early and do the stadium stairs. Dude, we had to do that exact same shit. And like I said earlier, when you're late to workouts, like you get punished. Like we did all that same stuff with Wisconsin. If, let's say, okay, Nate, let's say we're in the same meeting room. We're both D linemen. Let's say I'm late to a lift or, or a meeting or something like that. The first time they would they'd be like, hey, Bo, choose a buddy who's going to do your punishment. And so they'd take, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to have Nate Collins. 
They'd be like, all right, Nate, they'd take you, put a weight vest on you. You have to do the stair climber for 45 minutes. That will punch and you then, in your face. <laughs> exactly. And then they would take a comfy-ass lazy boy, put it right next to there, give me a big cup of Powerade to watch your ass, you know what I mean, Client, like do my punishment for me. And like, I'll tell you, I, hand of God, I was never late one time in college. I was never late one time. So similar story. One time, um, one of our backup quarterbacks at Virginia um, was a real, real, real partier, and he was late to one of the morning workouts. And our coach proceeded to make us bear crawl as a team, 100-yard oh. bear crawls, yeah. until he showed up. And then when he showed up, he made him stand in the middle of the field at the 50-yard line with him while we continued to do bear crawls. He yeah. almost got beat up that day. I'm not going to oh. lie. I yeah. am not gonna lie. Bear crawls as a as a big as a big guy. Bear yeah. crawls is one of the worst things to have to do as a punishment. On top of, did you ever have to do rolling? In we college? had to roll. Yeah, we oh had to roll. But that was like there was like a so like there was like levels to the punishment. So like let's say you're late for practice, that's different. Or if like you got in trouble, like yeah, there's, ours there's ours called, were for uh, missing classes. Yeah, yeah. We had uh so Mifflin Street Block Party is this huge thing. <laughs> in Wisconsin it's like the big party of the spring it's like right yeah. after finals like everyone goes crazy and we had like one year where whatever for whatever reason the city of Madison decided to get rid of the open container laws for Mifflin so you could carry on alcohol so everyone's just rolling around with cases needless to say it was a shit show man like it was probably the drunkest I've ever seen the the city of Madison Wisconsin which is really saying something and we had like 15 guys get underagers and Brett Bielma, we're in the meeting room on Monday. He goes, stand up if you got in trouble this weekend. It was like 15 guys. And it, got, it was dead quiet in the room. He's like, all right, I'll see everybody on the team at 5 a.m. the next morning. And we were all rolling, bro. Just rolling. Like 100 yards, you have to wear a helmet. You're rolling. And then you throw up, man, and then you just roll again. You know what I mean? No, but, but the thing about rolling that sucks, and shout out to C. Long, because people like him who are weird – some people rolling <laughs> doesn't affect them at all. And oh. I've watched, I watched a kid roll almost like almost 700, 800 yards, like singing to piss off the, the strength coaches That's... just to prove a point. Hey, don't, don't poke the bear, man. Those guys are already <laughs> fucked in the head. You don't gotta, you don't gotta provoke those strength coaches anymore. And we would have to do the stadium stairs too, but we had to walk them because oh, it was like man. more of a burn. So like yeah. we would always go throw up off the upper deck like five stories down, which was like just a small fun thing to do in, a, in the midst of all that pain and punishment. Stadium stairs was pretty was pretty tough as a big guy, I'm not going to lie. But yeah. when, they all, when it's all said and done, stadium stairs, it's really the psyche. It's the fact that going in there and when they tell you, yo, you're going to have to snake the entire stadium, like your, oh. your initial like thought of it is – Holy shit. And then when you get to the other side and they're just like, they blow the whistle and they go halftime and you realize <laughs> you have to go all the way back. Yep. It's, it's really the mental part, but I think about it physically. Like there's way more like physical, like things that are worse than the stadium stairs. Cause yeah. those mat drills for sure, for sure. Like mat that, that drill of getting on the back and just trying to uh, stop the person from getting, I, I feel like I used to have like nightmares about that anxiety, drill. bro. And we do it at like 5am. Like me and my buddies would get in there at like four, like early as hell and just sit yeah, in You got to get yourself up. Yeah, you have just to, like, you have to look at each other and be like, all right, boys, here we go. You get that anxiety, <laughs> that performance anxiety. But so that, I mean, Swamp Kings documentary, I mean, we could talk about this all pod. It was fucking awesome. It really got me juiced up 
got some good memories of like college football of work, like working out hard as hell with all your boys. And then like going out, like, you know, partying with the guys and it was fun. But the dude, the thing that like that really made me feel like, damn, I should have played in the fucking sec, man. Some of those like stadiums and the games that they were talking about were fucking awesome, dude. Like the swamp in Florida, everyone's doing the gator chop. Yo, that's crazy. That's like one place I've never played that I wish I would have fucking played at. So that's why I wanted to ask you, Nate, like, I mean, I don't know if you felt that way, but I felt like, I was like, damn, I kind of had FOMO. I felt like I missed out by not playing at some of these SEC schools. You know? No, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was in Jacksonville one year um, and Georgia, Florida, the biggest cocktail party in the South, they do it, I believe, in Jacksonville Stadium. And one weekend, I don't think I was traveling with the team and I got to go for a little bit to this game and at the time, that's the only time I've ever seen Jacksonville Stadium full to capacity and packed <laughs> out. Because when we played, when I played at Jacksonville, they used to put these large tarps over huge sections behind the end zones yeah. with the logo on it. So it would kind of blend in when we have a lot of people at the stadium. But in all actuality, under these tarps, they were seats. So the Georgia-Florida game, like just walking into that, for like a, like a like a quarter or so, like with people and seeing how crazy that was, just like you're saying, I, like in college, it's like unthinkable. Like for me, playing at a school that like I think UVA's stadium is maybe 62 capacity with our hill, which which is a lot of people, but some of these stadiums hold holding over a hundred thousand fans is mind blowing. So for me, like I never got to play at the Swamp. I would have loved that. I never got to play at uh, LSU Stadium, Death Valley. I would have yeah. loved that, too. I mean, I feel like I got to play in a lot of historic stadiums. Like, we did practices at the Coliseum at USC when we were in the Rose Bowl. Got to play in the Rose Bowl three times, which is phenomenal. Like, I'll never That's forget fire. the way that grass, dude, like, it smells so nice. It's weird to say, but, like, dude, you can, like, smell. Like, there's all the flowers and oh, stuff. Yeah. And, like, you can smell it. And the the that's the most pristine turf i think i've ever played on shout out to the to the, the, to grounds the field ke- crew the yeah the groundskeepers bro they they were, they were studying horticulture man that shit was it was amazing but like i love camp randall <laughs> like jump around i'll never forget jump around like we would play around halloween and the students like we had a night game around halloween one year we beat um ohio state which was a number one ranked team at the time David Gilreath ran Flex. back the opening kickoff. It was a night game, and like everyone's like dudes are dressed like bananas in the in the state. Like everyone's like all the college girls got their little outfits on, you know. So like yeah. watching jump around at night during you know Halloween was fucking something I'll never forget. So like I played in a lot of cool stadiums, but still like something about SEC football, man. Like I fucking would have loved to have been at Death Valley at the Swamp. I mean, what's what's one that you would have loved to love to have played at? In the ACC, we we had some good places. I'm not gonna lie. Um, we play. I played a night game at Florida State, and um, when the Seminole comes out on the horse and he spikes that spear, spear. that yeah. that's, that's on fire. Yeah. That and when they the the oh yeah. that. That is electric, I'm not going to lie, but I must say, Death Valley in down in South Carolina and Clemson, bro, we played, I played Clemson on their senior night for C.J. Spiller, and when C.J. Spiller walked out onto the field with his mom, you remember Stadium Pulse for the, for PlayStation in the, in yeah. the video game? 
That's what it was doing, bro. The cheer and the roar for him in that stadium was absolutely crazy. And then the, the, the running down the hill, they start the game. They do the running down the hill to, to, to introduce their teams with like the whole fireworks show. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. That, that shit was electric. <laughs> it was very electric. Shout yeah. out to Death Valley. The real Death Valley. Folks, why don't you give us a real, <laughs> why don't you give us a little insight as to why there's two different Death Valleys? Cause these are both pretty historic stadiums. Wait, what's, cause what's the other, what's the other Death Valley? Well, Clemson Stadium also goes by Death Valley. Clemson Stadium goes by Death Valley because it's from the University Cemetery was on a hill that used to overlook the field before the upper deck was constructed. Um, and then obviously LSU being Death Valley for you know, just how incredible of a stadium LSU is and all the historic games that have gone down there. I have so, I have so many questions. Is that where the term <laughs> grave, grave diggers come from? Cause like, how do you just like relocate dead bodies? Cause is that what they had to do or are the bodies still under? Well, the I think that they're up on a hill. There, you just can't see it. They're, ha- <laughs> they're haunting the stadium, brother. They're there. <laughs> All right, well, needless to say, the boys are fucking in on Swamp Kings. We're excited about football. We're excited about college football. We've been talking a lot of college football lately, and we will continue to do so. But uh, we also have some really good you know, segments that we've been hitting. And uh, let's get into some of those. What do you guys say? Uh, so for Young Entrepreneur of the Week, for those of you that are just kind of tuning in, Young Entrepreneur is we kind of, you know, College football landscape has changed a lot since Nate and I were in college, and these motherfuckers are getting paid, and we're yep. so happy to see that. Uh, so we usually pick a, like an NIL deal or a college kid that's kind of getting the bag with the deal, but this week we had a different one. Uh, Will Levis, rookie quarterback for the Titans. Couldn't pass this up. <laughs> yeah, couldn't pass this up. Just <laughs> recently uh, signed a lifetime deal to represent mayonnaise because he was doing all this weird shit before the draft where he was like eating bananas with their peels on and he was putting mayo in his coffee and I guess all of his weird you know these weird habits paid off for him he got the clout and he got the bag so young entrepreneur of the week Will Levis for uh, signing a lifetime deal with mayo yo if people actually start putting mayo in coffee because of this kid I'm gonna say it now bravo to you for doing some disgusting (laughs) shit (laughs) <laughs> and parlaying it into a lifetime deal. Have we ever heard this before? We hear about brands like Nike and Adidas doing lifetime deals with certain players. Or like Patrick Mahomes with the ketchup. You know what I mean? These Kahneman deals are... Whew. But that's Patrick Mahomes. This is a rookie quarterback, dude. He got this exactly deal just by exactly. doing weird shit on like fucking social media. That's crazy, I, man. I love it. It's a new age and new era and different things sell in the market, whether we think so or not. But when's the last time you seen a guy get memed like him for something non-football related and it gets parlayed into a big money deal for him? Usually people, this just ends up being something you get made fun of or it gets brought up anytime you want to be serious about anything or if you do anything good on the football field, they want to bring this up. But now when they bring this up about him, he's just like, yeah, I'm going to get money from this for the rest of my life. So laugh it up. What if he just ends up getting just like a lifetime supply of Hellman's mayonnaise and you just open up his house and there's just fucking empty bottles everywhere? (laughs) The way I would think it goes is 
He's going to get all the new products early to, to put out. But the thing that's good about this, we laugh. All, all we, the latest mayo listen, drops. What new products are coming in the mayo industry? Bro, you know they, you know they have avocado mayo. They oh, have okay. spicy mayo. Bro, they have a lot of chipotle mayo. They have Maybe a an, lot of stuff that I'm chipotle telling you. Yeah. Exactly, bro. Maybe an exactly. aioli. We're all looking at it at the surface. A lifetime deal, that means, hey, you're, yay, go ahead and put our Chipotle mayo on some coffee. Go ahead and, and start a TikTok and, and do this so a bunch of people can buy our bottles to try to get views and clout off of it. Like, I think this is very smart of Hellman's. Bravo to them. And that is a great entrepreneur of the week, bro. Yeah, he's getting that mayo bag. All right, moving on. This is my favorite segment. Shit to talk to your girl about. Last week, uh, I recommended talking to your girl about skincare, and I'm kind of glowing again today. So fuck yeah, skincare is working. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that step by step video, bro. You got to do the step by step video of showing all the products and how to use it, man. Hey, me and my production team are working on that as we speak. Facts. Can't wait. Can't wait. So here's <laughs> what I got this week for shit to talk to your girl about. Nice and simple. Keep it easy. Pumpkin spice lattes are dropping this week on the 24th. I'm sure your girls are stoked about it. So on the 24th, wake up, say, hey, baby, you want to go get some pumpkin spice? Fall is coming around. What do you think, Fax? Are you and your girl pumpkin spice fans or what? Well, my girl being biracial, I think when it comes to coffee <laughs> and these type of things, she leans towards her black side because I have never, ever heard my girl or seen my girl order pumpkin spice or um, any any lattes um, for, for that matter. And no, I'm not going to lie. I, I think the, the whole pumpkin spice thing is a, a, a white person thing. And That's fair. I think it's one of those things that whoever thought of it and whoever started it, it just resonated with you guys so much, <laughs> so much <laughs> that I think that Starbucks, like they, they probably have a huge spike in, in, in their revenue during these months. I, I just believe it. I think you've been saying it keeps getting earlier and earlier yeah. when they're releasing <laughs> the pumpkin spice until eventually it's not they're even just going to be like, yet. fuck it. It's coming all year. Yeah. You have pumpkin spice all time. <laughs> I thought pumpkin spice was only supposed to come out when the white girls start wearing Uggs, bro. Like, <laughs> and it's too, it's too hot for Uggs right now. Like, so I don't think pumpkin spice should, should be dropping this early. Pumpkin Spice is like the official announcement for the end of summer. It's like, oh, fuck, it's fall. Pumpkin, pumpkin Spice is out. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm not a Pumpkin Spice guy, but I might, you'll see. I might dabble this week. I mean, Pumpkin Spice is beating the start of football. That seems like a pretty egregious error. <laughs> oh, Seriously. that is true. I, I didn't even think about it like that. Now we're going to, now dudes are going to have to stop at Starbucks on the way to the game for their girl. Because that's the only thing that's, hey, I'll, I'll go only if I get my Starbucks. And now guys are going to have to stop at Starbucks for a pumpkin spice latte before they get to the stadium. So uh, terrible. Will Levis is going to be putting uh, Hellman's mayo in his pumpkin spice latte all season. But here's the thing, too. You think, do you think he parlays a coffee deal now? Ooh, the world is his oyster, brother. He's if you do... If you do, Will, if you ever hear this, or you watch, I know you watch Facts and the King, so you probably will hear this. Yo, go with Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts, bro. Trust me. At the end of the day, Dr. Facts says Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts over Starbucks. Starbucks <laughs> is just too white for him. 
<laughs> Definitely it is. And it's too expensive, bro. All right. That's Facts and the King. Great show. Appreciate y'all. Uh, tune in. Like, subscribe, comment. Check out our OnlyFans. And we'll see you next week.